This is Real Love Now, a ministry outreach of Pastor Don Allen in the Church at War Hill. As with every aspect of our ministry, the purpose of this broadcast is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him and His children, and discover your destiny now. Here's the message from Pastor Don Allen. Thank you for the presence of God, the anointing of God that is here. I pray, Lord, that you will speak to us, Lord, that you will change our hearts, change our lives, make us yours, Father. You are the King, the King of glory, the Lord who is strong and mighty for battle. And we do worship you and we do praise you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, I want to bring you a message today entitled One Irish Easter. Mark chapter 16, verse number 15 And he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Amen. Now this passage of Scripture that I just read to you is oftentimes ignored in any mainstream congregation. As a matter of fact, because it is so widely preached in uh, groups that are off the beaten path, a lot of mainstream churches ignore this passage of Scripture because they don't want to be associated with those who have misinterpreted this passage. Those that would cause people to violate another commandment that Jesus himself quoted when he said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Now this verse implies, though, that we as believers are being sent out into a world that is not friendly to our message. That there will be many perilous dangers awaiting anyone who attempts to penetrate the darkness with the truth of his gospel. And let me stop here for a moment and say to you today that I believe that God is preparing the church of America to no longer think that they have to go into danger on some mission trip because danger is lurking just outside these doors now. But just as sure as there will be opposition, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time focusing on it because there will also be supernatural miracles as we see those in sin's possession delivered and those who are sick shall recover. Now, many people will look at this verse and think that it no longer has a place or need in the life of a believer. But as our nation stretches its arms in this post-Christian society, we find ourselves in a setting that is not friendly to true believers. How many of you understand that your faith can and may cost you your job? Amen. It can and may cost you your friends. Amen. 
it can and may cost you opportunities of advancement in life when you say, I cannot participate in the sin. It's going to cost you something to be a Christian. We think that somehow our society has evolved, but if anything, it is spiraling downward instead of forward. We live in a world that in this very community, not, not somewhere else, but in this very community, men and women pray to sticks and stones carved by man's own hands. People are following their sin into levels of depravity that have made us the greatest prison state on the planet. And I shake my head in awe as we tell them on the nightly news that we should allow them to follow whatever is natural to them, but when, then we lock them up within when whatever is natural leads them to a state of depravity that is no longer comfortable. Uh-oh. I thought I was in church this morning. Amen. You see, when our nation was known as a Christian nation, when in God we trust was our motto, we were considered the greatest nation on earth. But now we are the slave to debt as our leaders have declared we are no longer a Christian nation. And we find ourselves very much in need of this kind of scripture. One that tells us we must be the light of the world pointing them to Christ. One that tells us that we must live boldly knowing that nothing this world throws at us can stop us. Amen. But I think today, the reason that many of you are wearing green dotted throughout the, the building is we celebrate someone that fought back the very things that hinder most from walking in this kind of power. I want to, I want you to, I want you to listen to it. We focus on no snake will harm you. We focus on no poison will destroy you. But there's something more deadly to the faith of a believer. And today, I want to talk to you about the power of doubt and the power that tried to destroy. And today we celebrate someone who would find himself starting a blazing beacon of hope, one Irish Easter that would change a nation. As God began to deal with me about this sermon, to be honest with you, when the Lord said, son, you're going to go preach a message about St. Patrick's Day, I thought, Lord, I, this is not, the, I don't want to do this. So Lord, that's not the kind of message that I want to bring this weekend. We just had, you, you're setting people up. I can see it from last weekend having a plan in your life to killing those monsters in your life. I can see God setting us up for deliverance, but the Lord showed me as I was preparing the, 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 the need for understanding why, why the rivers will run green today, the need for understanding why, why people will, will, will have their, their beverages flavored or, or their green beard. Let's just be honest about it. Why people are running around with shirts on that say, kiss me, I'm Irish when, when the whole thing is St. Patrick wasn't even Irish. And I began to study this. So you can see there was a cry for justice that went forth. And let me just share this story with you today. It's going to be a little bit different kind of a sermon. There was a young man named Patrick who was born to a church deacon, a locally elected official, but a man who was devout in his faith, who was also the grandson. The, the father was the son, and then Patrick was born the grandson of the highly committed priest of the community. So these very devout Men, these very devout Christians, the deacon, his father, the minister, so the, the, the grandfather, the, the father, and then Patrick is born, and everybody assumes, and I don't know if you've seen that, that horrid, horrid show that, that everybody's talking about, the, the new preacher's daughter show. They're gonna find the worst case scenarios. 
Listen, I was a PK. I understand PKs, but I also understand that, that, that if, if, if you want to, that God can move in your life because there's power in, in a righteous heritage. And Patrick is this young man who everybody assumes will be a third generation powerhouse for God. His grandfather brings the messages. His father serves in the church. And, and Patrick is expected to rise up and be third generation devoted to God. But at the age of 16, Patrick finds that he did not share his family's faith. He would later say that he did not yet know the true God. And young Patrick found himself where many Christians live. He was headed down the wrong road. He described himself as wanting, listen to this, wanting to do what was right, but he couldn't find it within himself to resist the temptation that came to him. Have you ever been there? With all this in you, you come to God's house and you get everything right with Jesus and you're determined this week's going to be a different week and this week you're going to beat back that sin that so easily sets you back so many times and you're ready to go forward and you're ready to win and you're set up ready to move forward but then all of a sudden you end up in the world, temptation smacks you in the face and you can't find it within you to say no. And because of his many failures, this is what, quote, Patrick would say, I felt... The only way I would ever change, listen to this, was if God would punish me enough. One of the reasons that many Christians do not live in enough faith and enough victory is because they don't feel they paid the price yet for their sin. And they're still waiting for God, listen to this, they're still waiting for God to realize He made a mistake by letting them in. They're still waiting for God to realize that they might just be the one hopeless case. And they're waiting and they're waiting and they're waiting. And you've got to understand that's where many Christians, even this very church, are. Christians who feel like the only way you're ever going to stop sinning is for some judgment to fall on your head. And as you, listen to this, as you pray to pay, as you pray to pay, believing that, that once the judgment happens, that, you know, if you get this sickness or you get this disease or you get this major catastrophe in your life, you'll actually think, okay, I finally have paid enough for my sin. That you will somehow then feel you paid the price and can embrace His love and His grace. But my goodness, I feel the Holy Ghost in what I'm about to say to you. Listen to me. You feel like one day you will deserve it. But the problem is you can never deserve His grace. You can never deserve His love. His love is there for you. And you're going, that's just not right. Listen, it was not right that he that knew no sin went to a cross and was nailed to a cross. It was not right that he that lived in a holy life and a perfect life died on a cross for our sins. But he did it. And when he went there, he did it in victory for us because what we deserve, he took on himself. You beg for justification, but the price has already been paid. This is what the Lord spoke to me. If you are waiting for God's wrath, you will wake up in hell still waiting because He loves you. And you go, but you don't know. I hear it in altars. I hear it when I preach all over the world. You don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've done. Listen to me. The most of the people that talk that way are not as bad as they think. As a matter of fact, half the time the preachers that are there with me have a worse past than those who talk that way. You stand there with somebody who maybe 
God delivered from, from a sentence of, of, of death for murder, and they're preaching that you can have life in Jesus. And the person sitting out there who just hates their neighbor says, you don't know what I've done. And they say, you don't know what I've done, or you might run. But he loves you, and he cares for you, and he doesn't judge you. And that's where this young man, 16 years old, finds himself. Now, the way that life would come to him would come in a way that would take some unusual twists and turns. One day he awakens to his villages under assault by an Irish raiding party that has come seeking sacrifice and slaves. Their pagan god was demanding a sacrifice. And so in order not to sacrifice the Irish sons to the pagan god, they sent forth raiding parties to, to capture Englishmen to take back and sacrifice and slaughter to the pagan god of the Druids. Patrick finds that his village falls. Patrick is taken. He finds himself on a ship looking back, thinking, I'll never see home again. It's over. And this is what he said. Listen to what he said. He said, I thought my enslavement was finally me paying the price for my sin. Wow. See, that's the way a lot of us are. A lot of us are living with bondages that have no business being in our life. And we're headed to pain that we have no business headed to, but we think we're paying the price for our sin. Don't you get what I've been preaching to you all of these years? That Jesus Christ paid the price for your sin. He didn't pay a price so you could live as the devil's doormat. He paid a price so you could be called the children of the Most High God, joint heirs with Jesus Christ, alive in the victory of Christ, the resurrected few, the holy and anointed children of God, a royal priesthood, a holy people. That's what he paid the price for. Amen. As Patrick goes forth, Patrick is not chosen to be a slave, but Patrick is chosen to be a sacrifice. And they load Patrick up to take him to be sacrificed to the God of the Druids. This is what God spoke to me. Somebody, you need to get this right now. You need to get this. But God loved this boy. His righteous heritage was going to, listen to me, he was going to bring forth seed in him. The enemy said, you're going to die. The enemy said, this one is chosen for the fires of the pagan god. The enemy said, it's over. This one will be sacrificed. But something happened to begin to turn the events of that day that ultimately would take the sacrifice and make him a slave. But God began to speak to me. The reason that those wheels began to turn was because that grandfather, my goodness, I feel the Holy Ghost, that grandfather had sowed righteous seed. That father had sowed righteous seed. And that son who thought he was going to die and pay for his sin. Now listen, I'm sorry I'm yelling and screaming, but I feel what's within me today. That son that thought he was all over, he was trying to outrun the grace of God. But God said, boy, you don't understand. Your granddaddy's been sowing seed for your future. Your daddy's been sowing seed for your future. And the devil's not going to take you out because God destined you for a harvest of righteousness. Amen. You see, some of you can't figure out why you can't outrun God's hand, but it's because somebody's planting seeds of righteousness for you. You're screaming, I deserve to die, and there's seeds of righteousness that are growing up that says, you shall live. That's why we hear testimonies that it was granddaddy's prayers, mom and daddy's prayers that pulled you through. They can't get you to heaven. There's only one that can get you to heaven, but they are bringing life to you in the middle of your struggle. So in a turn of events, 
The sacrifice becomes a slave. On his, mm, some of you wonder what the best thing you can do for your kids is if you pay for the cause, pay for it. If you can pay for the house, pay for it. If you can help them in any way, pay, help them in any way. But the best thing you can do for them, serve Jesus. On his first cold night without freedom as a slave, he finds himself on a cold Irish winter night thrown into a barn. This young man, Patrick, finds that he has no hope. So he calls on God. He found a place to which he knew God was his only hope and he cries out to the one he had come to fear the most. Listen to what God spoke to me here. Some of you are more afraid of an encounter with God who loves you than you are with judgment that is seeking to destroy you. Sometimes I'll stand up here and preach about the power of God's anointing and what it can do in your life. And there, there are people in here, the worshipers will come up and go, that was so amazing, Pastor, thank you. But then I'll come in here with my, you're sinners and you need a whipping message. I feel like Jesus with his, with his whip. This is my father's house. And about 50 people will line up afterwards and they'll go, thank you, Pastor, I needed that. I told them my thank you, may I have another crowd. Thank you, may I have another. Thank you, may I have another. Why? Because the condemnation you feel when you hear sin proclaimed makes you feel like, yeah, I'm a sinner. And you're feeding on the condemnation because you're more afraid of actually trusting in God than you are of being judged. And he finds himself afraid of God, but he now lives in judgment. Woo! And that judgment, he says, I can no longer bear the first night. My goodness, I don't know where this is coming from. Some of you think you're better than you are. You wait till your first night if sin really gets a hold of you. And he cries out. This was his elegant prayer. Are you ready for this? Can you imagine, can you hear him there in the barn, this 16-year-old boy who's been dra- dragged from his home. It's freezing cold. He's laying in the hay of a barn. And this, can you imagine his eloquent prayer? Living God, most high King of glory. Oh, thou art worthy of all. Lord, I... Can you not hear that? There was nothing like it. He cries. He weeps. And somewhere from within him, this is, this is the elegance of his prayer. You ready for this? This is it. He says, help me. You've got to say, you know, you know, this prayer that I confess Jesus Christ as Lord, I repent of my sins. And, and you know, we do it all the time around here. And we've all got this, this stock little prayer. And one of the reasons you resist it is because you see it as a stock little prayer. What you need to realize is your heart's crying out. The Bible says deep cries out to deep. Your heart's crying out to God. And in the middle of your storm, there's something inside of you that's wanting you to yield over to God. And instead of trying to be all fat, fancy, and churchy about it, it's time for you to throw back your head and say, I can't take it anymore. Help me, God. I'm running to you. Can't take it anymore. And God heard his prayer. But not the obvious answer came. He is quickly promoted from being a slave to a shepherd. And for six years, he was sent out to those cold mountains to sleep in the mountains with the flocks. And for six years, he would walk alone. He would walk alone to raise his master's sheep. But during this time, he also remembered what he had been taught by his parents and his grandparents about Jesus. It took him getting somewhere to, my goodness, I feel the Holy Ghost. It took him getting somewhere that he had to process the truth. 
and he remembered what he'd been taught. And it was there when nobody else could help him that he called and began to pray. Jesus had encountered him in the barn and he would learn to talk to Jesus in his isolation. He prayed morning and he prayed night. He prayed when it was sunny and he prayed when it was windy. He prayed when the storm clouds blew in and he prayed when the gentle breeze of summer filled and rustled his hair. He learned to talk to God. And I want you to notice what happened next. Something amazing happened next. He developed a relationship with God and the God that he had feared would judge him after he judged himself in need of a Savior. He began to hear his Father God calling back to him. As I'm preaching to you today, all that you can hear, many of you, is sin telling you, don't believe, don't believe, don't believe, don't, don't get free, don't get free. Your shame saying, he can't be talking about you. I'm talking about you. Your sin cries out. But what you cannot hear is that Jesus is whispering or crying out your name. Patrick said, finally, one day he heard the voice of God. You know what? You know what the very first thing God said to him was? Are you ready for this? He had called on the Lord. I feel the Holy Ghost and what I'm about to say to you. This was the first thing Patrick said he ever heard from God. He said, God said, boy, you shall go home. Now, wait a minute. Can you imagine? He is strapped into a boat so he doesn't jump off as he watches his beloved England fade into the, his past. As he watches himself sail away. As he's, as he's failed. He's not defended his family. As his village has fallen. As this 16-year-old boy who thought he was a man already. As he watches as it all fades into nothingness. And he thinks, I'll never see home again. And the devil got that engrafted within him. And he believed it. And then as he watches, he sees a new land arise and he's taken as a sacrifice, delivered as a slave. He there is bound as a slave, put out into this wilderness and he thinks, this is my life. This is what I feel God saying to us right now. Some of you know you've messed up and you feel like the life you have now is the only life you'll ever deserve. I'm preaching now. And some of you may have accepted it for a really long time, but I want you to watch what happens when God gets a hold of you. He began to talk to Jesus. And Jesus, what's the first thing he says back? He says, mm, this is what the Lord just put in my heart. It was in his isolation that he learned to line up with the teachings about Christ. And it was in his isolation that once he lined up with the teachings about Christ, he heard Jesus say, boy, you're going home. It is God's plan to take you home. Now, Pastor, my home is gone. My, my family, I'm aged. Listen to what I'm about to say to you. I'm not talking about it's necessarily God's plan to take you home to a physical location, but it is God's plan to take you back to a destiny that you were created for. But I've blown it. I've blown it. I've blown it. And I've blown it. Yes, he knew you would 
blow it. But he still died for you. And he still, matter of fact, if I remember right, when he died for you, it was some time ago. But I also remember him saying, I am the first and the last, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. So that tells me that when he died, before he died for you, he knew what you were going to do. When he died for you, he knew what you were going to do. He knew the end before he ever began. Listen to me, church. And he yet still said, that one is worth saving. And he said, you shall go home to my destiny that I've called you for. Amen. The second thing that he said to him, are you ready? After God told him you're going home, he, he continued to serve faithfully. He continued to serve faithfully. Listen to what he said. He said, your ship is ready. Six years after he made it to this land, your ship is ready. Boy, you're going home, and now I've prepared the way. So he goes to his master who had told him, if you will serve me faithfully, Patrick, I will reward you with your freedom. Six years, the, the flocks have flourished. Six years, God has blessed Patrick. Six years, Patrick is now a young man, and he walks in, a 22-year-old man, and looks at the master, and he says, Master, I have served you faithfully. Will you give me my freedom? Most, some imply, basically the conversation went like this. Patrick, you have been too successful for me to allow you to go. No, you may not have your freedom. And history tells us that Patrick said that he simply turned in submission and walked out the door. He walked out the door and somehow he walked past the courtyard and somehow he walked out of town and somehow he kept walking for 200 miles. He walked through valleys and swamps. He walked through fields and lonely roads. But for 200 miles, he just kept walking. But pastor, he was not granted his freedom. But you have to understand something. The master who had taken him, boy, I feel the Holy Ghost was not ready to let him go. But he had already heard from the Lord that, boy, it's time for you to be delivered. Are you hearing me today? Some of you can look at your, my goodness, some of you can see the sentence has been passed down. You will be this for this long, and this is how it's going to be. You're mine forever. And the enemy says, no, I will not let you go. But when you get a, can you understand what I feel today? When you get a word from God that says, I have prepared for your deliverance you need to start walking toward your deliverance because the victory is yours in Jesus name amen some of you complain that I don't get Pentecostal enough anymore maybe if you get a little more Pentecostal I might join you come on now I feel God he arrives at the boat that God had showed him he walks up to the boat his boat is ready he says to the captain I need a ride I'm sure it was more eloquent than that. And the captain says, we don't give free rides, boy. And rejects his plea. Patrick turns and begins to talk, my goodness, and begins to talk to the one who had told him that was his boat. And no one knows why, but the captain quickly summoned an aide and said, go get that boy and bring him back here. My goodness. And not only was he allowed on the boat, but they hired him for the trip. I got excited about that. You see, some of you 
You're allowing the devil to tell you you're never going to be free, but God's already told you you're going to be free. And just when you come to the first obstacle, you feel like God has failed you. Instead of turning away in defeat, you ought to turn around and start calling on his promise and say, I have heard you say, I will be free. And you ought to start saying, God, I need you to move. You showed me this boat. You showed me my deliverance. Am I making sense to anybody today? And throw up your hands in victory and say, God will make a way. And he turns. And they hire him on the boat. But God didn't call him to work on a boat. God called him to go home. And in his new job, his first stop would be, after three days at sea, the port in France. As they arrived, the village or the town had been leveled and devastated by war, and there was no commerce to be found. Why? God didn't call him to France. God called him to go home. See, God didn't call you to a second rate trying to serve God. God called you to destiny. Now, it gets a little fuzzy here, but some believe that he finds, most believe that he finds his way home quickly to to Britain and is welcomed home and finds the village not completely destroyed as the enemy told him it was. He finds the village rebuilt greater than it had been before. And it is here, after he's welcomed home, that he will hear from God again. He has a dream when he arrives home, and in this dream he sees an Irish postman deliver him letters. Each letter when opened, he would hear a prayer come from the letter that would pray for him to return to Ireland with the gospel of God. With the gospel of a God who takes those who should fear him and makes them his children. And this is quote from Patrick. This is what he heard. He that laid down his life for you says... Return, return. My goodness. So let me get this right. He ends up out of God's will because he wouldn't embrace God's will. God delivers him from the very enslavement that he was captured by. God brings him back to his destiny and then says, but since you went that way, I'm going to use it for my glory. Would it not be amazing if this God we serve could use your wounds to bring glory to his return? He takes six or seven men with him, prepares a delegation after preparing, gets the blessing of the church, returns to uh, to the island of Ireland, and when he arrives, he is not welcomed at all. As he arrives, listen to what he says. He says... He's greeted, and they're like, who are you, priest? And he says, go tell the king. Listen to what he says. He says, go tell the king that emissaries of another kingdom have arrived. They said, you are but a priest. He said, no, I am an emissary of a kingdom. And you see, that's what this scripture is talking about. You will not be stopped because you walk under his banner. Do you understand what I'm talking about? You walk under his banner. Jehovah Nisi, his banner over you is love. You once walked under a banner of sin. You once walked under a banner of shame. You once under walked under a bandage of addiction and bondage and slavery to the sin of this world. But now his banner flies over you and you represent a kingdom that is not your own. You represent a power that is not your own. The king says, bring this foreign emissary to me and he and the priest begin their path the druids go into a rage this false 
uh, worship, this Christianity will not make it to their king that they control. They go into a rage. They, they quickly hire soldiers. They put the soldiers on each side of the road. Listen to me now. They put the soldiers on each side of the road. They put a, a lookout that says, when the priests come, slaughter them in the road. Slaughter them in the road. Patrick and his priests, listen to what they're doing. They're walking with every step they're praying. With every step, they're singing a worship song. With every step, they're praying. They're worshiping. They're praying and they're worshiping. And the, the soldiers are sitting there ready. They're crouched behind their, the, the bushes. They're ready behind the trees. They will slaughter them. As soon as they see them, they have been hired by the Druids. The Druids fear this new faith. And the, the, the call comes. The priest round the corner. The priest round the corner. And as they lay in wait, they hear a twig break. A leaf rustle. They draw their swords. They notch their arrows. The priest's days are numbered. And around the corner, here come the priest. Praying and singing. Praying and singing. And there lay their, the enemy ready to destroy them. And the druids are nudging them. Kill the priest. Kill the priest. And the, the soldiers responded, what priest? What priest? And they said, kill the priest. Kill the priest. And the, the soldiers responded, we see no priest. All we see are six or seven deers walking down the road. And the deers passed and they laid in wait. And a message comes from the castle that the priest had arrived. And some of you go, supernatural. supernatural. God changed them. He didn't change them into deers. This is not some Hollywood show. Because, my goodness. I'm going to tell you what just jumped in my heart. Some of you think you can never go home. But God's not only going to take you home, He's going to bring you past the obstacles so that you can ravage the enemy's kingdom because it's not only for your freedom you have been set free, but it is for all of those that you love. Some of you got some kids need to see what God has done in you. I feel the Holy Ghost. Stand with me. Stand with me. When he makes it to the castle on that day, the king grants him in his, in his total authority, you may travel the breadth and width of, uh, and length of Ireland and preach the gospel from one end to the other. And no one will hardly listen. The Druids oppose him. He hears of the day of the great fire. He knew it because as a shepherd, he was not allowed to start a fire prior to the starting of the great fire that worshipped the pagan god. The day of the great fire was arriving. And he knew from his years as a shepherd, you were not allowed to burn a fire for warmth until the great fire had burned. And so, Patrick built a fire that engulfed the top of a hill. And as his fire lifted toward heaven, this was his cry. On this holy pagan day, it was also Easter. And he said, I will not allow the light of this darkness to supersede the light of the hope of Christ. Are you hearing me today? He said, I will not allow it. 
They would try to kill him. They would try to bring him in. But what happened was this. God would so supernaturally give him favor that the light that he began to burn. Now, somebody needs to get this in your heart because you've criticized long enough. It's time for you to begin to do what God called you to do. Take the gospel to the world and he'll shine the light. The light began to burn and the fire overtook the, the glory of the fire of the enemy. And listen to where it burned. It burned all the way to the heart of the king. And the fire burned into the heart of the king and the queen of that nation. Because one man obeyed God. That nation would be shaken and Druids would go into hiding as Christianity swept that nation. Because a boy met a king. If we as the church of the living God will stop running from our father and start running to him, the fire can blaze that makes it all the way to the throne of the king. Let me, let me rephrase that. It makes it all the way to the Oval Office. And God begins to burn in the Oval Office. And he begins to sweep throughout. The, I'm, I'm, Pastor Dunn, God can't do that. Yes, he can. If God can save me, he can save anybody. But it didn't start in the Oval Office. It starts on a hill with a person who said, He that redeemed me can redeem anyone. Bow your heads with me if you would today. That's today's word from Pastor Don Allen to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him all over again, and live out your destiny now. To learn more about our pastor and the ministry of the church at War Hill, join us online at warhill.com. Then join us in worship at one of our North Georgia locations. Service times are Sundays at 8.15, 9.30, and 11 a.m., where you will find Real Love Now.